On August 19, 2003, Sergio de Mello, the head of United Nations Mission in Baghdad, was killed along with members of his team and other civilians. We're here to look back at what happened on that Tuesday at the United Nations headquarters based at the Canal Hotel, and we'll together find who killed de Mello. On today's episode, we'll discuss why Al-Qaeda was not behind the attack at the United Nations headquarters at the Canal Hotel in Baghdad back in 2003. And I will tell you why I think that, based on proofs and evidence I collected for our series, Who Killed DeMello? Hello, lovely people. I am delighted you're here today with me in episode three. And since I'm here to tell you who really killed DeMello and the first thing I have to do is to rule out the Al-Qaeda members based on evidence I'll highlight today and using information that came out of reports about the attack of the United Nations headquarters based in Baghdad. First thing you need to know is I am not defending the Al-Qaeda for I am a patriotic American and just because I have a different way to look at things and will tell you who killed DeMello, that doesn't mean I am defending the bad guys by ruling them out. And as we will see today in our episode, shall we start? On the 19th of August, when the suicide bomber attacked the United Nations building, where Sergio and his team and a few visiting guests were at the meeting, got killed, and a few survived, the building was brought down by a flat bed truck loaded with explosives, according to the U.S. military report, who led, by the way, the inquest, the truck was driven by a terrorist called Abu Farid. That was his name, known to care. And uh, this man, who, by the way, was an Egyptian who lived in uh, Milan, Italy, was a hockey player. He left Italy to Iraq to join Al-Qaeda in 2003, to kill the infidels, such as Americans and Brazilian DeMello. And of course, Zarqawi was behind the attack. That was the reports later showed. Yeah, that same Zarqawi, who Colin Powell said he was in Iraq, plotting a big operation against Israel and the West. And that same Zarqawi, now a few months after the invasion, was behind the killing of DeMello. I am here today to tell you there are some discrepancies in the story and I, and I have a few questions to ask. Was Al-Qaeda really behind the attack of the United Nations headquarters in Baghdad or was there another group that killed DeMello and his team? We will look closely at what happened before the killing of DeMello and after. Well, three attacks happened that August of 2003. In early August, a big suicide bombing at the Jordanian embassy in Baghdad. The second was the Canal Hotel bombing, which is our subject in this series. And the third is suicide bomber killed Muhammad Baqar al-Hakim, who was the leader of Islamic Supreme Court. He was killed at the, in a car bomb near Imam Ali Shrine at the holy city of Najaf in central south of Iraq. So we have three big 
incidents. The first attack at the Jordanian embassy in Baghdad was, as I see it, leading the way to the second attack, and that is at the Canal Hotel where UN was based. In other words, whoever killed Demelo didn't want to make it look so obvious, so they have to lead the way to by preparing the way, so to speak, and make it look like Iraq was not a safe place and United Nations was a soft target. The third attack that killed Mr. Al-Hakim, who was once again a Shiite cleric and the leader of Islamic Supreme Council, his killing was kind of a mafia style, if you wish, and we'll cover this later, of course, in details. According to U.S. and Iraqi officials, once again, Abu Musab al-Zarqawi was responsible for al-Hakim's assassin- assassination, and there was always an audio tape. Zarqawi is then blamed for major attacks in Iraq that year, and there is always a proof. Aha, there is always a videotape, an audio tape. It's amazing. The same mastermind we went to war with is now causing all the trouble, and we have the proof each time. Let's go back to the truck that was used in this suicide bombing that killed Dumelo at the United Nations base at Canal Hotel. According to the U.S. military reports, the truck was loaded in Al-Ambar province, and that's west of Baghdad, and exactly the city of Ramadi, which is about 60 miles away from the capital. The terrorist, Abu Farid, as we mentioned earlier, who flew from Italy, who blew himself up at the United Nations, he loaded the truck with explosives along with Zarqawi. And a first, and excuse me, and a third suspect, a man called Abu Omar al-Kurdi. We'll come to al-Kurdi later on with more details, for this is very important. So this Russian-made truck, brand name Kamash, was loaded with about half a ton explosives. Grenades, aerial missiles, TNT, and all these were stored in metal containers and loaded on the back of the truck. And Abu Farid drove it on the following day, and that is the same day of the attack. He must have had to back that early of the day to avoid any delays, And the story goes that he made a few stops here and there in Baghdad. Then he headed towards the United Nations compound around 4.25 in the evening, where he entered from the back alley and made his way under DeMello's office and blew himself up and killed DeMello and 21 others. And let's assume that since the attack was carefully planned and a complete successful mission. There were informers within the United Nations. Let's just say that an Iraqi man working at the United Nations told Abu Farid, come and blow up the place for Sergio will be for sure in his office for a meeting around 4.15ish. Let me ask here a few questions for there are things that don't make any sense. How could a stranger such as Abu Farid, able to move freely in Iraq with over a thousand pound load. I mean, did he have false ID? 
And wasn't there any checkpoints manned by the coalition forces or Iraqi police on the way to Baghdad to ask who he was and what he was hauling? Well, maybe my questions are wrong and someone else drove the truck and Abu Farid was just a passenger in that truck. Well, let's just say they made it safe to Baghdad with all these explosives without going through any checkpoints. Well, my concern here is the nature of the bomb on the truck that day. Let me tell you exactly what was inside the containers and the bomb that brought the United Nations down. Well, per the FBI reports, the, con the contents of the bomb had a mix of ammonium nitrate fertilizer along with diesel, fuel, and military-grade explosives. As I said earlier, the aerial missiles, the TNT, the hand grenades, and so on. Let's stop here for a minute and discuss the chemical element, the ammonium nitrite fertilizer mixed with diesel fuel. Well, yeah, diesel, as we all know, has a low ignition flashpoint if it's compared to gasoline. Well, it doesn't burn as fast as gasoline, yes, but to have it in a closed container in a confined place, such as in our case, and remember, next to ammonium nitrate fertilizer, which is extremely flammable, that's a bomb by itself, guys, let alone next to TNT and all the explosives. Guys, we're talking about driving on a highway for over 60 miles in Iraq in August, I mean 120 degree weather. And you know, just by passing by someone who might lit a cigarette could be hazardous. Anything could have caused a premature explosion that if we assume the fertilizer and the diesel were loaded into the truck the day before in Ramadi, as we mentioned earlier. There's a chance the fertilizer and the diesel were added later if someone wants to argue. What if the fertilizer and the diesel were added right before the attack and as at a close proximity from the United Nations building? Then the question will be, was Al-Qaeda that well prepared for such big mission and really had the ability to run such a massive operation or just let's say they have a, ha uh, just happened they have a safe house nearby the United Nations. Remember guys, this is four months after the fall of Saddam. But I promise you that we will find in the near future who really did it and how and where the truck was loaded with all the explosives. So this Egyptian man, called Abu Farid, drove inside the building, the United Nations building, right after the meeting, started in DeMello's third floor office at the Canal Hotel at exactly around 4.35 and blew himself up and killed everybody. Second reason I don't believe that the Al-Qaeda members did this is how organized they were and how successful crime this was. Talking about a few bad guys flew from Europe and North Africa and perhaps crossed the borders, let's say from Syria or Jordan, to join 
Al-Qaeda members in Iraq. According to the Italian police, only five radicals traveled to Iraq, few Moroccans and some Egyptians. And I'm comparing here to thousands of terrorists made, its, made, made their way to Iraq later on 2013. I just want you to be in the picture here. And I got to tell you this, Al-Qaeda members didn't have those abilities back then, nor the means to lead such a big operation. We're talking here about the fall of Saddam in mid-2003. I mean, one more time, um, comparing them to ISIS presence in Iraq in 2014. I mean, the country back then in 2003 didn't have even mobile phone services. Talking about bad network, no landlines phone, phone services. But this operation was very well planned. And there has to be another sophisticated group other than Al-Qaeda to operate with this kind of complete and successful mission. Another reason I don't believe it was the Al-Qaeda members who did this. Well, those guys are not stupid. And they knew what United Nations mission was in Iraq. And they never associated the United Nations with the coalition forces. I mean, the United Nations wasn't new in Iraq. They were there at the same location, which is at the Canal uh, Hotel, which is east of Baghdad. At the, and, and they were running oil for food programs, for example. One of the uh, uh, programs was run at the facility. And this was way before the war. And they reopened in uh, May 2003 after the fall of Saddam. And you want to hear something funny, something weird? In a documentary called Sergio, I think it came out in 2009, there is this Jordanian-Palestinian radical. His name is Nasri Azzedin Tahaina. He said in the documentary that Zarqawi believed that East Timor was the reason why he had to kill Demelo. For East Timor is a Christian nation that was separated by the United Nations with the help and effort of Sergio de Mello from a Muslim nation that is Indonesia. That is, guys, the most lame excuse I've ever heard. Plus, let's stop here for a moment and talk about this Nasr as Dina Tahaina which he's a Salafi fugitive. He fled a Jordanian prison uh, and he was the most wanted man in the 2000s. I think he's still a fugitive. How, well, how did the, the Sergio documentary crew members were able to find him? Was it filmed in Jordan? Did, did the director, Greg Barker, just found him in the streets of Amman? How, I, I think I have more questions in this episode than answers. I find it kind of weird, especially if the documentary, Sergio, if you see it, this Tahaina looks like he's reading out of a monitor. Trust me, we'll cover this, guys, some other time, for I will tell you in details all about the Palestinian thugs from Jordan. For now, let's talk about Omar al-Kurdi. 
the third man who helped in loading the Kamash truck in Ramadi the day before August 19th. But for now, you know what? At the end of August, let's just uh, switch here for a minute. Mr. Muhammad Bakr al-Hakim, who was a moderate Shiite cleric, the leader of Islamic Supreme Council, as we mentioned. He was a very cool guy, and I personally believed in him and his integral work. And he was killed that August in a car bomb. And exactly on the 29th of August, that makes it just 10 days after the attack of the United Nations that happened on the 19th of August. And you remember? And let's, let's now cover the, the Abu Omar al-Kurdi. He helped in the loading of the truck in Ramadi, and he was a bomb maker who was captured in January of 2005 and confessed to carrying out his bombing in Najaf that killed Al-Hakim. And of course, Demelo on the August 19th, 2003. But once again, the person that was behind it all, these three big operations that year was the officer of Al-Qaeda, Zarqawi. For later, several audio tapes of Zarqawi were found and he praised the assassination led by Muhammad Yasir, excuse me, Muhammad Yasin al-Jarad, his brother-in-law, who claimed that his father, Yasin, was the suicide bomber in the attack that killed Al-Hakim in Najaf. So now we have a suspect who confessed and that is Abu Amr al-Kurdi, the bomb maker, expert. He was caught early 2005. And he caused the killing, once again, of Al-Hakim and Sergio Demello. And also he was behind the killing of Azuddin Salim. And Azuddin Salim was the head of the Provisional Government Council. And he... Abu Omar al-Kurdi was caught in 2005 by the U.S. forces and detained till 2007 when he was handed to the Iraqis in 2007, I think in June. And do you know what the Iraqis did with him? They executed him 20 days later. Guys, during the entire two years, this alleged militant called Abu Omar al-Kurdi, was in the U.S. detention facility. We don't know if he was interrogated. Did he confess in details about the nature of the attacks? Did he say anything about the operations or how Demelo was killed or Al-Hakim or Mr. Salim in 2004? By the way, besides, he was mentally unstable as I find him, this Al-Kurdi was a confusing and a vague character. Just to let you know, he had many names. One of them is Oras Muhammad Abdul Aziz, although uh, Abu Omar Al-Kurdi was his known to care. And another name of him was Sami Muhammad Ali Said Al-Jaf. It's a sketchy situation to have a guy in jail for two years and not being interrogated. Don't you find it that, guys? And he wasn't interrogated thoroughly. And another thing, U.S. forces knew if they handed him to the Iraqis, 
that Iraqis would kill him, for there was a memo from October of 2006 from, from the Ministry of Justice in Iraq read that Abu Omar al-Kurdi was sentenced to death for his role in the assassination of al-Hakim. I did my own research on this, and I really found him that this Abu Omar al-Kurdi was mentally unstable man. He was just inserted in this case for a reason. We don't know what it was. I mean, just for some, I, I think it was just like a cover-up. I mean, the whole situation is weird. A simple man, we don't even know his name, can't even get it right. Was he directly behind the killing of three big prominent men in Iraq in, in um Two got killed in 2003 and one in 2004. And you know what? You want to know something interesting, curious people? Dumelo and Bakr al-Hakim shared one common thing. That is, the two men told the coalition forces to collect their men and their weapons and leave Iraq after liberating it from Saddam. I mean, both men were killed exactly 10 days apart, just mafia style. They both shared the same vision, and they were both against the military occupation. Let me just make this clear for all of you. Sergio Dumelo wanted, as a United Nations representative, to keep the military presence in Iraq short. In other words, he wanted the coalition forces to leave Iraq to restore stability in the country and the region. But the U.S. military was there to stay. I will leave you today with a few questions. Do you believe someone could drive a truck loaded with highly explosive materials 60 miles away without going through any checkpoints or any kind of danger? Were there informants who led the militants to know Demelo's location at the meeting that late afternoon at the Canal Hotel, or even better yet, was Demelo's office wiretapped? Why was the only suspect Al-Kurdi hanged by the Iraqi without being interrogated? How could Zarqawi be the mastermind of all the major operations and suicide attacks, and he claimed he did them when no one has seen him in Iraq from 2003 till 2006 when he was killed. In the future episodes, we will find together clues for who killed DeMello. Till then, have a great week. <laughs>